From iCare Partners, this is the Doc to Doc podcast. Clinical discussions with our team of world-class eye care professionals across the country. Through connectedness and continuing education, we help patients see their absolute best for life. Your host is Dr. Lori Preventure, a glaucoma specialist and cataract surgeon at the Cincinnati Eye Institute. For this episode, I have Dr. John Kitchens. He is a vitreal retinal surgeon at Retina Associates of Kentucky. Dr. Kitchens, welcome. Can Thanks, you give Lord. us a little background on your history with ECP? Oh gosh, with ECP, it's, uh, it's been a bit of a whirlwind. Uh, we joined ECP in late December of 2021, and uh, it's, it's been kind of a really rapid adaptation to ECP. So comforting to have friends from CVP, Dan Miller, Chris Riemann, Robert Sisk, are all good friends that were in ECP uh, already to join those guys. I've always wanted to work with them, so it's great to be now your associates. Yeah. To be on the same exactly. team. Exactly. Well, thank you for coming on. I wanted to talk to you today about a topic that is maybe second in line to dry eye and how often it comes mm-hmm. up in my clinic, and that is floaters. How do you approach patients with floaters when they're so bothered that they bring it up and they're even considering a surgery? How do we funnel the right people to you as a retina surgeon? Well, funny enough, it's second in line in our clinics to dry eye as well. <laughs> dry eye is so ubiquitous. Mm-hmm. We really have been able to impact patients with vitreous opacities in, in a very positive fashion. And so, yeah, it comes up a lot. We actually have a great referral network now with doctors that understand kind of the patients and the impact that floaters have and the appropriate patients to refer and why we may or may not do surgery. So we very commonly find that patients come into our clinic complaining of vitreous opacities and and we can help a lot of those patients now. Quality of life is becoming a theme more and more as medicine advances. Who are the right patients for this procedure before we get into the nitty gritty of the risk of something like this? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think there's really three main factors that put a patient in the perfect spot to have surgery for vitreous opacities. I think first and foremost, they have to be bothered, okay? We, we want patients who have an impact on their activities of daily living driving, reading. We don't want the person who says, hey, when I go to the UK football game, I you know, notice them and it kind of irritates me. We want the patients who have a, it's having a significant impact on their life. Second of all, we want patients who have had vitreous opacities or have been bothered by them for at least six months. You know, when patients have an acute posterior vitreous separation, a lot of times those vitreous opacities will improve over time. And so we want to give them a good chance to have that vitreous separation complete so that we can catch any tears and and maybe they're gonna just get better on their own. And then the third thing, and this is just a personal thing, is I like them to be pseudophagic. Uh, You know, vitrectomy surgery does increase the risk of cataract and I don't wanna cause a problem, I wanna fix problems for my patients. And so I I really prefer that the patients have uh, had cataract surgery. Excellent, so just to recap, symptomatic, significantly symptomatic, six months duration, and pseudophagic. That's right. I think you could come up with a little acronym for that almost if we wanted to. Well, walk me through the risk of this. Obviously, no surgery is risk-free, and in a way, like floaterectomies have been given a bad rep. So why is that, and why is it more reasonable to consider doing it now? 
Well, I think in the past, you know, as retina surgeons, we've been dealing with sight-threatening, you know, blinding conditions. And so the thought was always, why would you ever operate on a healthy eye? And I think we failed to appreciate the frustration that these patients have had. I also think at the same time, there's been this improvement in safety with our surgery. And a lot of that comes from two things. Number one, small gauge surgery where now we are able to do this sutureless, and that has a lot of ramifications when it comes to retinal tears and other things such as that. And then the second thing is higher speed vitrectomy. So we know at lower cut rates, there's more traction on the peripheral retina, more likely to get tears and other things such as that. With small gauge, high speed vitrectomy surgery, we really reduce the risk of the major concern, which would be a retinal tear detachment. Excellent. So I think we can feel a little more confident about at least referring the, the patients to you to have a discussion about the risks, to consider their options. And I think it's great because as we move towards, like I said earlier, more advanced technology, we have the option to focus more on quality of life. And I have a few floaters. I'm sure that if you had a lot more, it'd be very, very annoying. Any pearls or pitfalls, especially for referring surgeons, have you had any cases that didn't go so well and you learned from them? Or are there any patients, say, um, multifocal lens patients or something like that that we need to be thinking about? Yeah, so I tell our fellows all the time, and we have a fellowship, which is a really great opportunity to train future surgeons. Uh, but I tell our fellows all the time, you don't regret the surgery you didn't do. In other words, you know, if you're kind of thinking, should I do this or not? you know, from a surgical standpoint, it's okay to wait to say, hey, listen, let's give this some time. Let's see if you adapt and bring them back and just see how bothered they really are. So certainly with vitreous opacities, you can defer that surgery and say, let's give this a little more time and really think it over from that standpoint. I would also say that previous retinal tears are not a contraindication to removing vitreous opacities, but I do feel like patients who have a lot of lattice degeneration, uh, particularly inferior lattice, are probably not the best patients. High myopes are probably not the best patients for this surgery. As far as you know, when we're looking at um, multifocal intraocular lenses, these patients seem to be a lot more bothered. And I think there's something optically about the multifocal IOL that really kind of brings out the worst in the vitreous opacities. And they really become the happiest patients when you alleviate them of this problem. They're definitely patients who expect the most out of their vision and are willing to invest in their vision. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing these pearls with us. I think it's a nice option for people who are the right candidate. So I appreciate your time. Thanks, Lori. The opinions expressed by the physicians in this podcast are solely the personal opinions of the providers and do not represent iCare Partners policy.